and yet people thought that he was marrying her for her money. Mm-hmm. He was not. He, there was a genuine love story going on there, and uh, eventually, maybe the money helped, but Nashville accepted them back into society. to another episode of Podcast Through Clarksville. I'm David, and joining me, is, as always, is Raymond. Hello. Um, and we have a super special guest that I am just, like, in awe of, and I'm being honest, uh, Carolyn Farrell. She is a local author, local historian, um, and she's going to be talking about her new book, but also just Clarksville and some of the history that, that she's learned along the way and some of the fascinating things that she's found uh, in Clarksville, Montgomery County. So, Carolyn, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Hello. Hi. How are you doing? <laughs> doing good. <laughs> so, um, for our audience that kind of they have an idea of who you are, but not not necessarily, but but give us a little bit about who Carolyn Farrell is. Well, born and raised here, so I have a uh, a feeling of what Clarksville's history is about. Uh, when you have grandparents that are invested in that, uh, I, I remember my grandfather walking me downtown and showing showing me features that. Uh, you wouldn't see normally because they were either covered up by the brush around a railroad track or whatever, but that's where my interest began. And I remember probably a year or two before my grandmother passed, we were in the car, she was driving, and, and we passed the museum, and she said, Carolyn, do what you can to save Clarksville's history. And at that time, I was like, how do you do that? I don't know how to do that, but I told her I would do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, uh, the Nanny Tyler book, was the uh, start of it all. In fact, in this book, uh, in the, one of the front sheets, you'll see "Promise Kept Grandmother." Yes, yes. So I, 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 I feel that one. promise. Yeah. And your newest book is titled "We Wait Beneath the, the Furnace Blast." Mm-hmm. Um, tell us a little bit about your new book. Well, it's 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 multifaceted. When I first started the book, I wasn't even working on it. I was uh, bird walking from doing research on the previous book. And I found a Civil War diary that had never been uh, published before, and I got really excited about it because even though it was rooted in Dixon County, there were so many Montgomery County people in, in the book, and I felt justified in doing, you know, stepping out of the bounds of doing Montgomery County yeah. and getting over into Dixon County. But there's so much, people will recognize the names that are in this book from Montgomery County and the history associated with it. But uh, I started just transcribing the diary, and, and then it got into, well, I need to explain who this person is, mm-hmm. because she didn't know how to, uh, in, her, in her diary, she doesn't know how to spell Kazee. Oh. So she, she, she totally blunders spelling that name. And then, of course, I recognize it because of being from Montgomery County. Mm-hmm. But, uh, then it just sort of bloomed into, well, how do, how they, how would they understand what she's talking about with the furnace if they don't have a history or prior knowledge of what the furnace was like? So I go back to the very beginning, the very first furnace, starting with uh, James Robertson, and then I progress through, and then in the middle of the book is her actual journal, and then I go beyond the journal mm-hmm. uh, with the three families that came out of the furnace area that became the movers and shakers in Nashville. They were all involved with the uh, Centennial Exposition of 1897. Yes. It should have been 1896, but it was delayed by a year. But uh, when you realize the money that came out of, uh, out of Cumberland Furnace and how it affected the history 
of, uh, of Davidson County, you'll be amazed. It's, it's a fascinating story. And there's some, uh, there's some spiciness to the book because the granddaughter of one of the principals that came out of Cumberland Furnace mm-hmm. married a count, divorced him, married another count, and she was very, uh, much involved in scandals. And so she published her scandalous behavior in the New York Times. And uh, she ended up moving to California after World War One. She got out of France and came to uh, California, and that's where she passed away. But when you realize this family went through murders, through scandals, through uh, the glorified era of Nashville's history blossoming as it did, it's just fascinating. So if I had stopped the book with a journal, yes. that would have been missed. And you've mentioned the she, but who is the she of, uh, of the Yes, uh, if you go to Cumberland Furnace, the... Uh, Drilliard Mansion, it's called that, but she was actually a Kirkman, Florence Kirkman, and her grandfather owned the furnace after Montgomery Bell. And he, when he died, her parents were gone, her brother had no interest at all in the furnace. She became a multimillionaire, mm-hmm. uh, uh, by inheriting, uh, that furnace. And she caused the furnace, the uh, first real scandal to come out of that because she married a union officer. And she was the first to do that. And nobody would come to her wedding because of who oh, uh, he was. He was a quartermaster for Rosecrans uh, staff. And yet people thought that he was marrying her for her money. Mm-hmm. He was not. He, there was a genuine love story going on there. And uh, eventually, maybe the money helped, but Nashville accepted them back into society. Nice. Now, it's, it sounds like you've done, you've done a lot of research. You've traveled a lot yes. um, for this. Um, so explain with with your ten books, ten books, um, you, your writing process because you've got you got a passion for something, and it's obvious. You know anybody who knows you knows that you're passionate about Montgomery County and Tennessee history and history in general. Um, so explain to explain to our, our listeners what is the writing process for you. Well, I, I think from teaching you become, begin to understand what people are are interested in. And when you're writing a book, you also have to be conscious of who your audience is going to be, who's going to be reading your book. So you you take it from that point of view. Uh, maybe the history on the furnaces will not be interesting to uh, a, a certain group of, of readers, but then it does... I. I'm torn between telling the interesting story and also preserving the history. Mm-hmm. So even though I go back in the genealogy of these families and so forth, uh, people have to understand where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. Why did Montgomery Bell end up in uh, Cumberland Furnace when he grew up in Pennsylvania? Mm-hmm. What uh, connection was that with the slave issue going on? How did they resolve that? And there's a lot of unanswered questions uh, especially with Mon- Montgomery Bell. Why did he free his slaves at the end of his life and so forth? But uh, I, I address all those, and I come up with my own theories, and I uh, basically, I never tried to put my my uh, opinion in, 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 in a book, but I try to say, okay, this is what I think, what do you think? Mm-hmm. So I leave it up to the reader to uh, surmise what, what happened there. Yes, ma'am. What's the, um, what's the most unique historical facts that you kind of discovered along the way about Clarksville, Montgomery County? That there's a lot of, uh, well, gosh, you know, there's so much history that people just are not aware of, and, and constantly I'm being told that, oh, I didn't know that. And, and to me it seems like a, a prominent fact, 
but I'm also aware, you know, Clarksville right now is just booming in, it, in its, its uh, population. So we've got people that are the old school that have been here for, for generations like my family. Then you've got the people that retire here from the military. Mm-hmm. But now we've got all this influx of people moving from different states coming in. So th- there's a, I feel the need to educate these people so they have a connection with Clarksville, so they will feel like they have a voice in what's going on, say with what's going on downtown. Mm-hmm. But to, to say one thing that was really interesting, it's all interesting to me. I'm blown away every time I find something new. Um, I was in the state library a couple of years ago, and I had been looking for this certain piece of the puzzle that came from the Nanny Tyler book. And when I found it, I actually shouted out, oh, yeah. And I was like, sorry, I'm so sorry. (laughs) But I just I just did it. And and luckily, they didn't get upset with me. But that's that's the aha moments. Mm -hmm. And and you get so excited because now you know the answer to to something you've been searching for for so long. And there's a there's a renaissance or a resurgence, however you want to say it, and I, I feel in knowing the history of the town you live in. I, I agree with that. I, I think that, uh, and I'm seeing especially, I'm uh, posting a lot of things on a Facebook page called I Remember Clarksville at when, and uh, boy, the responses I'm getting are just amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And, and uh, I want to do more. I just mm-hmm. want to do more. Randy Rubel posts on there a lot, yes. um, and he posts a lot of pictures. Like, where are you getting these pictures from? Um, in particular, there's one over by off of North Second Street, over by Riverside Drive, or um, by yeah, by then it would have been called Riverside Drive of the train bridge that went over um, uh, Second Street yes. right next to that McDonald's. I've never seen that before. Yes, I remember so, that bridge. Yeah. Well, but I'm 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 not a, I'm not a, I'm not from here. I'm an army brat. I've said You're it. not I, as old as I well, am. Here. <laughs> no, ma'am. Um, but but it's it's a situation where uh, working here at the library, and I do have those kind of eureka moments, like um, a coworker, a former coworker named Jody. She was very interested in Stringtown over off in District yeah. 13. And so I'm like, where is this Stringtown at? Because it's not on any maps. And I see it. Oh, my God, there it is on a map. And, I, and my coworkers laugh at me. What are you looking at now, Raymond? Oh, are you looking at a map? Yes, I am looking at a map. How did you know? Because it's, it's fascinating. And I'll sometimes will walk just, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not out on the floor like, like Raymond is. But sometimes I'll just come out here and look at a map. Um, of Clarksville. I we, love we have them. We have them all on display throughout the library here, and I'll just I'll pick one and I'll just stare at it for a few minutes, and and I've, I always see something that I didn't see before, or a place that I'm familiar with modern day, but that's what it was named then, or it still has the same name. Uh, the streets are named, you know, those kind of those kind of things. There there is a map, and I I was trying to locate it last night. Uh, there was an attempt back in the eight, late 1800s to extend, now think about this, extend Franklin Street down that steep bank to connect with Riverside Drive. And this map shows Franklin Street going all the way down to what was Front Street. Or, yes. Of course, the grade was too steep, yes. so they couldn't do it. It kept washing away. But that was to help people who were getting off the riverboats mm-hmm. to go up to the Franklin House because... Billy Bringhurst wanted them to go up to his street to get to the Franklin House than the Southern Hotel, which had a less grade where people were coming up off. So that was a, a thing he was trying to do to enhance his business. But you look at that map and you go, but that street doesn't connect with Riverside, right? But it, they tried it. Yes. They tried it. We did. Um, we were very lucky when we, we had some of those old maps. And we did a street video of 
just the names being changed or yes. streets being disappearing. Entirely. The history of the names like, and like Telegram, which is right in front of the the the, the hotel. It's off of um, how we College Street. Thank you. Yes, um, and just how uh, you know. Um, College Street used to be called something else, or yes. or Greenwood Greenwood um, Greenwood Avenue used to be called Charlotte, Charlotte. and it because it led you down to Charlotte. And you, granted, these are common sense kind of like, oh, that's why it's called that, but um, it doesn't really occur to you um, the, the 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 why of certain things. Um, so you going back to to your prolific work, which we have here in the table in front of us, you have ten books. You are a writer of ten books. That is amazing. And, um, uh, and I'm done. <laughs> oh, you're done? You're not running anymore? I, I don't plan on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think my last year with uh, the medical issue that I had uh, made me reevaluate where my uh, time needs to go. Gotcha. Now, I will keep on writing, but I don't think I'm going to commit to a full book because gotcha. this book took me the longest to, to write because I was interrupted twice by two different surgeries. But uh, I realized then that I probably don't need to spend that much time and commitment to to a book but uh i'll leave it to the younger generation coming <laughs> up because there's still a whole lot left to write and one of the things that somebody's asked me to do and i said somebody else will have to do that mm. they're interested in the houses that are located on madison street uh probably mm-hmm. tip top oak top uh some of the larger houses yeah. and so forth but uh, again i will leave that to someone else to do uh, i also had somebody ask me to do a book on the medical profession i know that in genealogy i'll have a book on on the, the, the patient is our guest yes mm-hmm. yes. yes ma'am uh but uh, and i told them that but there's still a lot to write about and there's still a lot of things to discover and uh, uh and i i won't give that up i'm i'm gonna look I've always wanted Raymond, and you two can partner up. I, I've always wanted Raymond to write a screenplay. Oh Lord! Starting at uh, you know right around the fire of uh, 1878, um, and oh, wow. and then kind of moving forward, and you you know, so I would love to that. You you have you know you have the love element, and like they <laughs> get married, have kids, and Clarksville grows as they grow, and all this history takes yes. place. And I've always thought that would be uh, really neat to do, and I, I've given him a hard time about him writing a screenplay. Olivia and you as well, uh, Olivia is my wife, um, uh, and you as well have always been up my butt about writing that book about the <laughs> yes. Cousins house. Yes. Hurry you, up. Yes. Do you it. Know. I'm like, oh. Write your book. But you again, have... I know, I know. But again, making time and what have you, there always seems to be an excuse, but I definitely understand though. Um, we can, looking, get, it, we looking... can get it in the library if you write it. I'm sure we can get it. <laughs> Maybe. Get a copy. Let's talk to Martha. Yeah. See what happens. <laughs> Um, because I'm, I'm looking and, and I've known you for, for what? Gosh. Almost 20 years yes. now, I think. Yes. It's about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm looking at, we, we have a table in front of us of all your books and I'm thinking, wow, that's, that's something that I want to do. And, and so I'm like, you just got to write one, Raymond. That's all you got to do. Um, but talking about your books, um, if we can, let's go through, just go through all 10 of them, um, and give a short synopsis. Of, of each one and which, which, which one is, is, uh, we've already talked about your most recent book, We Wait Beneath the Furnace Blast. And then, so, uh, we have a cheat sheet in front of us. Um, <laughs> I have the lip. <laughs> and she stole it from me because now I no longer have the cheat sheet. Um, and, oh, thank you. Oh, so kind. Thank you for now she's showing me the cheat she's sheet. She's holding it up. Yes. And so your very first book and when we met over, over 20 years ago, um, and I mentioned, um, and Olivia, I had to show it to Olivia because I mentioned it in the in the preface 
uh, of the uh, the Nanny Tyler book. See, look, look, my name is in print. Um, <laughs> well, you're, but, then you're halfway there to your I, own book. I, indeed, yes. Um, but um, but your first book was In Search of Nanny Tyler. We talked briefly about it um, in the video that we did for this, and also when we talked about Judge Tyler himself. I name dropped you like you would not believe. Um, he did. Yes, and so because we were very, very uh, hoping that you would I think your name like, has come up on every episode of our podcast. That. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yes. So that's why we were really excited to finally get you here. Yes. And so um, um, about Nanny Tyler, give us a short synopsis about Nanny Tyler. Because we're going to go through all of them. So because we want, we, I, 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 I want that. I want, I want your. Uh, I think that uh, I think the, the day that that statue was discovered, that it was stolen, that mm-hmm. was the whole thing. A lot of people knew about her and uh, uh, sort of watched over her grave, clean, you know, cleaning up the flowers and so forth. But it was when it was stolen and it made the national news that people in Clarksville really flocked to the cemetery to to uh, see the stat- where the statue was. Of course, the story goes, we know that it was, uh, it ended up in a um, antique store in Boston, Massachusetts. The guy, Stephen Score, that, that bought the statue understood that it came from an estate because this statue in a cemetery doesn't have wings. If it had wings like an angel, it would have been a clue that it was a stolen statue, but it wasn't. So he paid over $2,000 for it, and of course, he, when he found out it was stolen, he immediately contacted Greenwood, and we got it back. So the day he that I... Driving back and with he the, drove with, back in an unair-conditioned station wagon oh, on the hottest day in July, and, and we were all there, the mayor and the county historian and all the people from the Church Trinity Episcopal that, uh, of course, knew the Tyler uh, family mm-hmm. from way back uh, were there, and it was just a a really special day when they put the statue back on the pedestal and the doxology just broke out. Everybody started singing. And it was almost like, and you got the feeling that it was a statue that was stolen, but people personified the statue so much with Nanny. It was almost like Nanny herself was stolen. It was a bizarre kind of thing. But uh, the statue is back. Uh, it was damaged uh, in the transfer of one you know, who stole it to the person that bought it, that bought it and sent it, you know, to, to Boston. But, uh, the funniest story that came from that, and there's always a funny story that comes out of each book that I write. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was writing the book, I wanted to get a picture of both the statue and the Confederate monument in the same shot because Nanny Tyler's father was a Confederate veteran. Judge and, Tyler. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so, I laid down, I put a towel down on our grave and I laid down on the ground and I had my camera ready and I was about to take the shot when a car pulled up to get out to visit the grave. I sat up and when I did, they tore out of that, that, I mean, they thought, I don't know what they thought, but, but they, came from <laughs> I sat up and they were throwing gravel. I mean, it was, and I was, I was shouting at them going, I'm just taking a picture, but they were just out of there. They were just out of there. But I got the shot, and uh, it ended up in the in the book. And uh, so, uh, anyway, uh, there were two questions uh, that I wanted answered before I published the book, mm. and I couldn't find the answers. It came after the book was published. I have the answers now, but uh, you didn't. You know, when you're when you're doing your first book, you think, well, okay, when do I stop this? When do I say, okay, I'm, I realize I'm not going to find the answers to this? When do you stop? And I, in the back, in the very end of the book. I had the, you, you can read about it, mm-hmm. but I had this dream. I was in this room and Nanny appeared and comes over and puts her hands on both sides of my face and says, let it go. It's, mm-hmm. it's done. And then she disappears. And that's when I ended the book. 
It's like she told me that it was okay to end the book. Uh, but I did get the two uh, answers to the questions that are in the book, and it's almost like I want to go back now and put those answers in. Well, but, it uh, sounds like then you should have one more book to write. Do, oh, no, no, no. Or maybe, or maybe, <laughs> no. or maybe a, a collection of like, hey, these are some edits or things like that. Well, or, I, might, I might do some little brief things like that, but uh, yeah. that was the aha moment mm-hmm. when, in the State Library because I, uh, Judge Tyler had an older brother that was yes. the golden mm-hmm. child, and yes. the descendants did not know he existed, and they even sort of challenged me on that. They said, we've never heard of Joseph Addison Tyler. I said, but he did exist, and they said, well, we, we've never heard of him. Uh, and I was reading Joseph Killebrew's journal at mm-hmm. the State Library, and he's teaching math at the Hickory Wild Academy yep. at that time. So he either witnessed this happening or he was there when it happened. But Joseph uh, Tyler was sort of fisticuffs playing with one of the other boys that were there at the school, and he got hit in the stomach. He fell backwards, hit his head, and died instantly. And, of course, it was a very common practice then that when you lost a child, you didn't speak about them anymore. Uh, The other thing that sort of erased his existence was the the Tyler Family Cemetery no longer exists. It was... uh, Covered or removed? Removed. It was bulldozed. Uh, Uh, That's where John Duke was buried, I'm sure. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and, uh, so we we have absolutely no record that he existed. Nothing. Wow. So uh, the family then said, wow, well, okay. We... So now we know his story. But yeah. see, that's, he would not exist. He would, nobody would know about him if not for Joseph Killebrew putting that in his journal because I couldn't find him. Mm-hmm. Wow. The second book that you wrote was Stories from the Queen City. Right. And so I've read a lot about that one in regards to different stories about different events that happened. Um, you do cover... The, I think, remind me, correct me if I'm wrong, because it's been a while since I've read it. Um, you do talk about the fire of 1878 in that one as well. Yes. Um, so tell me a little bit of, tell our audience about uh, that book. Well, that book, the funny thing that came out of that book, Dan Hanley, the late Dan Hanley, who was a treasure that we've recently lost, he allowed me to use uh, two of his pieces of artwork for covers. And this one is a black and white uh, depiction of what, Riverside Drive looked like in the 1800s, mm-hmm. and you've got the view coming from two men from that are opposite, fishing. Opposite yeah, the on the opposite side, on the west side of the river. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought, well, it would be neat if I could get the same shot. So I, I have a friend that has this little fishing boat. So we go across the river in this little fishing boat, and it's right after the flood of 2010. Oh, and so he pulls up to the bank, and I said, I'm going to get out to take a shot. So I jump off the boat. Did you have waders, I hope? No, the, the mud went all the way up to my knees, so I had to sit back on the boat and pull each leg out of the, the mud. Of course, my shoes came yep. off in the mud, but I went on ahead uh, barefooted and took a picture of the same angle, mm-hmm. uh, and, and you get a view of, of what the changes have, have occurred since then. Mm-hmm. Somebody's going to find my shoes in a 100 years and think, wow, <laughs> we have found an artifact. Yes. Did they really wear those kind of shoes? Yes. But uh, it, the, the book was meant to be uh, uh, sort of a collection of different stories, different topics. There's a lot of Civil War in there. Before I wrote the uh, Occupied book, I, I 
probably put a lot more Civil War in, in that book than I should have, but uh, it's got different chapters with different topics. Mm-hmm. So if you're interested in the trolleys, but you're not so interested in uh, the law enforcement, that would be in there. If you're interested in love stories, that's in there. If you're interested in the railroads, it's in there. So you certainly you would find a topic that you were interested in, if not so uh, so much the Civil War. But that was the idea behind doing that book. And then talking about the Civil War as well, we, you, your third book, Occupied, covers, you're shaking your head, and I'm like, why? Yeah, yeah, what, I, saw, I, saw, I noticed that too. Yeah, so, so what's, what's up with Occupied? Well, I was doing a, a program at uh, the Baptist Church in front of, I think it was the Kiwanis maybe, mm-hmm. uh, and Frank Lott came up and he said, Carolyn, you know that the 150th anniversary of the founding of Clarks was coming up in, oh, about 10 months. Can you do a book on the Civil War? And I'm like, Oh, excuse me, it wasn't the founding, it was, it was the Cessus, uh, help me with that, Cessus Centennial. Centennial of, which we've uh, talked about. Yes, uh, thank you. And it was the fall of Fort Donaldson uh, the, and the capture of Clarksville yes. that we were celebrating. Mm-hmm. He said, can you do a book on it? And I looked at him and said, Frank, 10 months? <laughs> he said, oh, well, I just thought I'd mention it. Well, I got home and I said, doggone it, I'm going to do it. Okay. So I sat down and, and there should be blood on the pages of that book because <laughs> I'm telling you, it was pressure like you wouldn't believe to get it done, but I'm very pleased with it. Dr. Gildry, Dr. Richard Gildry uh, from Austin P. Yes. Uh, edited it and he read it one night and he came up to me and he said, I just couldn't put it down. Oh my gosh, great. what a compliment. I said, I wrote the book and I wouldn't have read it in one night. But he said it was that good and, and that factual. But the cover of this book, that is the mm-hmm. Conestoga, mm-hmm. that is Clarksville. Now, when I put the picture of Clarksville on it, I had to uh, mask out uh, buildings that I knew were not there mm-hmm. in uh, 1860. Yes. So I made it as close to the time period as possible. But the four principal people uh, that were involved in the surrender of parks for on the, the cover there. It's Cave Johnson there. Yes. Yes. Um, and then I think that's Bruce or no? That's uh, Admiral Foote who that's, actually okay. uh, captured Clarks. Oh. Gotcha. And so I don't know who the other gentlemen are. Sorry. Let's see here. Okay, uh, that would be uh, Sanders Bruce, who mm-hmm. uh, became the commandant of Clarksville for, mm-hmm. for a brief period of time, and then Lowe, who was uh, also involved in uh, keeping Clarksville under wraps while the war was going on. Um, and so Fort Defiance was then renamed Fort Bruce in his right, honor. Right, right. Um, because I'm, I'm, I love, I'm very fascinated with um, New Providence history and uh, just kind of just there. And if I remember correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, um, Cave Johnson and and the at the surrender they went to tri- they surrendered at Trice's Landing or am I thinking of another landing? No, uh, they actually uh, Admiral Foote had been actually injured in his foot uh, during the Battle of Fort Donaldson, mm-hmm. and so he couldn't walk. So he asked when the Conestoga pulled up to, I guess around the Commerce uh, Street area on mm-hmm. Roadside Drive. Uh, he asked that the city leaders come down there and meet him because he just literally couldn't walk. It wasn't like uh, he was being uh, condescending or anything. He just couldn't walk. Yeah. So the the city leaders came down there. Now, they were very smart in who they sent down there. Uh, Tave Johnson was actually a friend of Admiral Foote's father. They had been in uh, Congress together. Because he was a congressman, yes. Yeah. And so there was that connection. Uh, Foote never intended, and he says this in his memoirs, he said, I never intended to... Uh, treat Clarksville the way I did. I really intended on, on going in there and, you know, probably destroying some 
factories and so mm -hmm. forth. But because of Pave Johnson, you know, he did not. Yeah, because I know it, that that meeting uh, on the on the Cumberland saved pretty much all the structures of Clarksville. Yes, it did. And so I, I find that just miraculous because I'm because um, knowing about what happened in Palmyra, yes. what happened in Fort Donaldson, and just like like wow, fire was coming. Fire was coming like you would not believe. It was like, oh gosh. Okay, so your uh, the next book is Franklin House. That is my that is my favorite book, and uh, it's just because you get the warm fuzzy feeling when you read it, and when you get through reading it, uh, not because of, of my research, but because of the again, this is uh, given to me by the family. The family's uh, story is in the book, and you you want to like, oh no, I'm at the end of the book. I wanted to know more. I, I, I laugh when people say, "Was Franklin House on Second Street across from the courthouse?" I go, "No." Franklin Street was on Franklin. Uh, Franklin Hotel was on Franklin Street. It was. <laughs> Imagine that. I go, no, 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 no. Uh, even though Billy Bringhurst was uh, connected with both hotels, uh, he never wanted to sell the Franklin House, but he had to. His wife Sally had gone to Nashville with their daughter, and she had fallen at the Maxwell House. Well, she broke her hip. Well, there's no elevators in the Franklin House. No. There's no, you know. He said, we've got to do this. So he sold Franklin House and took over the Arlington, which he renamed yes. the Montgomery Hotel, yes. and because of Miss Sally. And the Arlington Hotel was across the street from the, from, from the right. courthouse today. And in fact, um, in some of our walkthrough Clarksville videos, we have the, the actual, uh, the, the yes. marquee, for lack of a better term, the big it was, stone. It's a stone, sign, yeah. Thought, yeah. It's a stone, big, gigantic marquee. And so my, whenever we walk through downtown Clarksville, me and my family, my kids will be like, Daddy, what's this? Oh, and look what I'm, you know, there used to be a hotel there. Yeah. So, indeed, every square full of Clarksville, every square full of Clarksville has so much history. So uh, what started this whole thing with Walk Through Clarksville and Podcast Through Clarksville was uh, we're doing Raymond was doing some cemetery research. And so that gets into... Your next book is all about Greenwood Cemetery, right? Mm -hmm. yes. And so I, I think cemeteries are, are fascinating in the sense that what's there and as far as the family story. So what? tell us a little bit about Greenwood Cemetery. Well, uh, I have ancestors that are buried at both cemeteries, the uh, Riverview Cemetery and at Greenwood. Greenwood uh, came about, its history is totally different from the city cemetery. Uh, it was a planned cemetery after the Civil War. There was a realization that there was going to be a lot of uh, people brought from battlefields in. Uh, the city cemetery at that time was not being landlocked as it is now, but there was a realization that they needed a perpetual care cemetery, which the city cemetery was not at that time. But Greenwood came about during a time period when... Um, sort of coincided with a Victorian era where there was a, a realization of beauty, uh, symbolism on the headstones. Mm -hmm. You can tell an, uh, an old headstone so yeah. easily from the, from the newer ones because there's so much carving done on it. But it also was a, an idea that we were re reunited in death. Death was not the horrible thing that we you know, we think of it as being, it's a beautiful reuniting of families. And so that's where the beauty of Greenwood came. When I do the tours of Greenwood, I make sure that I do the iconology. I want people to understand that a certain flower on a headstone means something. Mm -hmm. It's not just a flower. They liked roses. No, it's not like that. A hand pointed a certain direction. Um, an animal on a headstone. All these different things mean something to the family. 
and uh, that's the beauty of Greenwood. It's it's a park-like uh, setting. Uh, in fact, uh, people used to go there to spark. They used to uh, go there with their boyfriend with a chaperone and sit on the benches around the sunken garden, and uh, that's where a lot of that happened. Uh, when you see the early pictures of Greenwood, mm-hmm. you see all the shrubberies, the flowers, the trees. Uh, the first major landscaper for Greenwood was uh, a roke, and he was the son of Queen Victoria's gardener at Windsor Castle. Oh, wow. So uh, he brought in uh, trees into Greenwood that were not indigenous. I had the hardest time trying to key this tree. So I called Dr. Chester, and I said, Dr. Chester, you know, I cannot find out what kind of tree this is. And he came over and he said, well, no wonder you don't find it in the United States. It's, it's from, I think, Denmark or something. So uh, we lost that tree recently. So I, I hated that. It was a sweetheart tree where somebody had, had carved a heart in it and were putting love notes down in the crack of the tree, and we lost that one. But oh. yeah, a whole story of that tree in there. But uh, Greenwood is just a, a fast, it's a beautiful place. People go there all the time just to walk. Mm-hmm. People go there to learn how to drive a car. Uh, people go there to park at night sometimes, which, uh, of course, can be a bad thing when you flip the car over. As, <laughs> as two Fort Camel soldiers did, they flipped their car over and, and uh, got injured in, in that back in the day when they didn't have a gate uh, across yeah. the entrance. Wow. But uh, Every you, square foot of Montgomery County has history. Every square but, foot. You know, my viewpoint of Greenwood is that it's a, a period, it's a place for learning about art and math and, of course, history and the personalities of Clarksville. Uh, it, I, I intentionally take my grandchildren to cemeteries because I don't want them to be afraid mm-hmm. of that kind of thing, that it's a reality that uh, happens to all of us. And I tell them the funny stories. My grandson one time, he got so broken up over a story that I told him. I thought, oh my gosh, if somebody sees us laughing like this in a cemetery, we might, you know, somebody might be <laughs> disapproving. But uh, I don't want them to be afraid of it. And uh, I want them to see the beauty. And there's so much beauty in Greenwood. Yes, ma'am. The next book that you wrote was indeed about the City Cemetery Review. Yes. So tell us a little bit about that one. Equally uh, fascinating. We know from uh, them putting new burials in that the Native Americans uh, actually used that area first. That was a sacred ground. You know, you think about the spiritualism of the Native Americans, and you realize we don't have just one river. We've got two rivers meeting there. Mm -hmm. And for that, uh, that was very spiritual to them. And so they would find... Uh, artifacts from the Native Americans up there when they were doing new burials. Uh, that cemetery uh, was a uh, a cemetery in which if you had people buried there, you were responsible for taking care of the plot. Mm. That became a problem because a lot of people moved away. Uh, or they had uh, family members that died out. There was nobody to take care of that, that site. That's, so you, that's happening today in yes. many, many cemeteries, sadly. Yes. And so you've got your little plot of ground that's really taken care of, and then you've got this one next to you that's just overgrown and 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 so forth. Uh, that was a real problem. The city had to to address that. Uh, they would put notices in the uh, in the paper. Uh, one of the notices that I just laughed about today is mm-hmm. if you've got somebody buried in the cemetery and you've not paid for that plot, you need to remove them. Well, what are you gonna do? Wow. 
What are you gonna do? Family members or the pickaxes and shovels, <laughs> and then suddenly there's a, there's a there's a horse and buggy picking up a coffin. Oh my gosh! Wow, that's I mean, death. how <laughs> were the family that actually had to do that? Or I never heard what happened oh, with Lord. it. I mean, it was just a notice saying you need to get them out of here if you haven't paid for your plot. Valentine Severe, is he buried in that cemetery? He, or, or he, is, go ahead. He is, but he's not buried where everybody thinks he is and where the stone is. And, and finally, I got the truth out of it. Uh, Valentine Severe owned uh, that piece of land at the time that he died. His uh, wife, Naomi, buried him there mm-hmm. uh, instead of going back across the river to where the uh, massacre took place. In New- where, where, where current day general area is going to be Fort Defiance. Right. Um, and so that's, that's leading into your next book um, about Valentine Severe. Yes. Um, tell us a little bit about Valentine Severe. Uh, he Who his was, brother was. Yeah, he was uh, the he was descended from nobility from uh, the Huguenots. And actually, his family has a castle over in is it Papalona, where the running of the bulls. Yeah. That's that's where his family castle is. And the reason that the Severs came to the United States is because they were Huguenots. They were being persecuted, and they escaped the country and came over here. Of course, they started over in uh, the Virginia area. Mm-hmm. Uh, Valentine well, most people did. Yeah. Valentine Severs' uh, brother was John Severe. You know, Severeville, the mm-hmm. you know governor of Tennessee, and yep. so forth. First governor of Tennessee. Yes. There was a statue of him in Sedgbury Hall in the Capitol building. Yes. Um, and so, in the U.S. Capitol building. Sorry. Yes. I kind of put very, very, I've, I've seen it and showed my kids. That, so and they listen to my podcast too so hi hi hey kiddos <laughs> <laughs> but anyway he had a very uh, large family and he mm-hmm. uh his he was so enamored of his brother john john kept telling him that you need to move west you need to move west because if you move west and start settling we'll we'll pull his people into and we can create this new state mm-hmm. so when valentine severe came to the bluff and what is now new providence he was the western, that was a westernmost mm-hmm. settlement. And of course, like I said, John asked him to do that. Naomi had no uh, recourse to say no because she didn't have the ability to do that. And it cost him everything. Yep. I mean, it cost him his land. It cost him his family. Um, he died broke. He never crossed the Red River again, didn't he? No. no. Yeah. Um, and we may talk about it in a future podcast or video about the massacre of... of, of uh, uh, the severe family. Yeah, the severe family. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty interesting looking at looking at just the amount of history and then how oh, going through all your books that we've gone through right now um, up to then we've got a couple more uh, three more um, but they're all connected in some way shape or form. Mm-hmm. Um, Judge Tyler, Civil War, Occupied, um, Histories of the Clarksville, um, and then we go back to Val- Valentine, uh, Severe, New Providence, and all that wonderful mm-hmm. stuff. Um, so just fascinating how it's all connected. Um, Dog Hill. Where is Dog Hill located at, ma'am? Dog Hill is just uh, east of, excuse me, south mm-hmm. of, of town. It's really Clarksville's first neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, my connection to Dog Hill is that my grandparents lived there. They, they were the best people in the world, loved them dearly, and they lived there for 30 plus years. Uh, that neighborhood had a collection of your downtown merchants. Mm-hmm. You had a Jewish uh, community that lived up there. You had people that came in from different countries because of the tobacco industry and so forth, and they all got along. 
uh, the Jewish community that settled up in Dog Hill was welcomed by Clarksville. That was not true of other communities. They they would go to different cities and they were not welcomed as Clarksville did. You can look at so many names of the merchants downtown on, say, Franklin Street, and you see one after the other. So what happened to them? Well, not enough of their faith came into Clarksville because they married within their faith. There wasn't that many people that they could marry with. Mm -hmm. So they moved either to Memphis or to Nashville, and uh, we lost that that group of people that were wonderful for the, the community. But Dog Hill has an interesting history in that it has uh, a, a Confederate general lived up there, lawyers lived up there, mm -hmm. uh, the general persons that you would expect to find up there. Uh, they had a, a descendant of James Robertson living up there. Woody Robertson's uh, parents, I believe? Yes, mm -hmm. they lived up there. Joseph, who was uh, president of the Pres Southwestern Presbyterian uh, University. Which would and later become? Austin, Austin T. T. Mm -hmm. It's all connected. And who else but Frank Sutton is from 2nd Street up in Dog Hill. Yes. Uh, I lived in Dog Hill twice during my life. And of course, I never ran into him, never met him. But he loved his grandparents so much that when he died, he was buried next to them in Greenwood. Oh, awesome. uh, in fact, you have to look for their, their name before you see his name. But he wanted to be buried with them. Here's this guy that's successful out of Hollywood, mm -hmm. could have been buried in any of the cemeteries in Greenwood, in uh, in California, but wanted to be buried in Greenwood. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, your next book is one on Colonel Forbes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Gosh, how did I get interested in that? I think it was because he was such a handsome man. I don't know. <laughs> you just, you, you look at all he's these, on the cover. So he's yeah. on the cover. I'm telling you, listen, you look at all these old photographs and you think, oh my goodness, was anybody happy back then? Or the women ever, you know, pretty? They're always, uh, you know, got that that stare kind of look. Well, it was because, of course, how long it took the the photographs to develop, of course, especially yes. in that time frame. So you yes. had to have a very stoic looking kind of face, and so it was very rare to have uh, pictures with smiles in them. Right. You just imagine holding a smile for twenty minutes, what yeah. thirty minutes? Yeah. That would that, would, that sounds painful. But Forbes stood out to you. Yes. Yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Was, he was on the side of the Confederacy, because of course we're in the we're in the South. Um, and so, what were the major campaigns that Forbes was was known for? Well, he he wasn't in the war very long because he was killed in the Second Battle of Manassas. Okay. Uh, but what is fascinating about him is his father was uh, the lawyer for the Thomas Jefferson's family. You know, he he grew up in Virginia, and he was in the first graduating class class of VMI. Mm -hmm. So when I did the book, I traveled to VMI and I did all the research there and. Uh, course, it came back to Clarksville. He was torn. He had family back in Virginia during the war. He had uh, two sisters that were still uh, alive. He had just married and had a, a son, uh, and everything was going for him in Clarksville. He had just built this house on 2nd Street, which is still there. Uh, everything was going for him. He was president of the university, um, and then the war broke out. So because he was familiar with Virginia, instead of being stationed here like the 49th and 50th mm -hmm. protecting yeah. Clarksville, he was sent back to Virginia. He was trained in military tactics. So it was, it was, he was not only trying to get his regiment together, but he was also asked to take care of the 49th and 50th. These men had never been in war before. Mm -hmm. Uh, he was trained in that. So he felt okay with going back to Virginia knowing the 49th and 50th were here to protect his wife and his family. Yeah. But as we know, it 
didn't work out that way. Yeah. So can you imagine you're fighting in Virginia mm-hmm. with your family back here in an occupied town? Yep. Had to be horrible for him. Yes. Um, as a as a veteran being deployed as well, you 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 want you you have family at home. And Olivia's uh, my wife. She was. Phenomenal. She's fantastic. We were engaged at the time um, when I went in 05, but when I went back in 2011, she was a pillar. She was amazing and wonderful. And I didn't have to worry about home so I could focus on my right. present. And so, so you yeah, can identify with mm, that. Just a little bit. Yeah, not as much. No, no, but no, not, not, not one of the stories that I've heard about the Civil War. Um, looking at all your books and all your works that you have here, you see the thread of connection. Oh, yes. Um, and so, and you mentioned that you traveled to Virginia, you traveled to any other location that you went to that, that was I did kind not, of unique? You, yeah, you cannot stay in Clarksville and write about something that happened somewhere else. So I've traveled, gosh, I flew out to California. I've been down to uh, Natchez, been over to, I drove down to Houston to interview this this one lady and doggone this, this thing called Hurricane Harvey was coming in. So I got in the car after the interview and I was racing through Fenton, Louisiana and got a $300 speeding ticket. Oh, Lord. And I told the trooper, I said, sir, I'm trying to get back home to Tennessee because there's a hurricane coming. No mercy. No mercy. <laughs> usually, usually out of towners and state troopers, they don't mix. So you, you're going to get a ticket. <laughs> yeah. And of course, the trip to Virginia was uh, going to the different battlefields. My husband has no interest in this. So I traveled by myself and... Uh, just going and being being uh, at the exact location mm-hmm. where Forbes died. And by the way, Forbes in in Celtic the Celtic language means field. That's where he died in, in a field. field. And it, that's why they 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 named the bivouac in his honor. Yes, okay. absolutely. Gotcha. He was so honorable. He was he was everything that you would expect in a Southern officer to be, and the sacrifice that he made. Uh, I still cannot come to grips with why, when the battle of the Second Manassas was ending at the very last minute, at the very last uh, exchange of gunfire, that he went headfirst into the, the artillery. He could have just backed off. The battle's mm-hmm. basically over. Just let it, but he goes in headlong, and that's when he gets. Uh, mortally wounded. He doesn't die until a couple of days later. Wow. And then he's buried in Virginia, and uh, his his grave wasn't marked for many, many years. And so finally, I talked with Ken Burnett of the uh, Shaco Cemetery where he's buried, and through different people, uh, we're able to get a headstone for him, which is, is neat. He's buried very close to the grandfather of George Patton. Okay. Yeah, General nice. George yeah, yeah, Patton. Yeah. Wow. And so, um, in front of us, we have basically all of your work of, of art, for lack of a better term, uh, recording history as a testament of not only your skill, but all, all the research you've done, um, and just, just the amazing amount of history in, in Montgomery County yes. and spread all over. Um, so, we've pretty much covered a lot. And so, thank you. Thank you for being with us. You thank are you for welcome. Us. Thank you for letting us... Uh, borrow you for just a little bit um and so uh we we will probably be reaching out to you in the future for mm-hmm. other episodes and well catch me quick <laughs> 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 there's a reason i say that so they, they're aware of it but um, uh anytime to educate people about Clarksville history i'm i'm on it i'm i'm about that gotcha um so uh to finish all of her books all of carolyn Bell's books can be found here at your Clarksville Montgomery county public library 
So if you want to come down and, and take a look at some of those books, if you want to learn more about uh, Clarksville history, uh, Carolyn Farrell has made it easy now for us to uh, to dig in and, and learn a little bit more about Clarksville. Uh, and so again, we thank you so much for, for joining us today.